Welcome to WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. WellMed Radio will educate you about health and wellness for seniors and their families throughout Bear County and Central Texas. During the next hour, your hosts Ron Aaron and nurse practitioner Cora Zhuk will share information that will help you improve your health and wellness. And now, here's Ron Aaron and Cora Zhuk. Well, thank you very much and welcome to WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Corey Juke. Corey is a nurse practitioner, graduate of Texas Tech University, undergrad, and earned her master's as a nurse practitioner from Texas Tech, now working on her doctorate at UT Health in Houston. And we're delighted to see you. Nice that you are here with us. Great to be here, as always. We also have a special guest who uh, we don't bring a lot of guests back, but he's such a good guest and entertaining We thought we would have a reprisal with Andrew Morgan. Dr. Morgan is a physical therapist as an MBA, graduate of Baylor University, MA and a doctorate from UT Health San Antonio, and an MBA from UTSA, and fresh off a triathlon victory over the weekend. So, Andrew, good to see you. Nice to see you. Nice to be back. And this was a triathlon that uh, most folks aren't familiar with. It was indoors. Correct. Yeah. Um, Lifetime Fitness does a... uh it's an indoor triathlon, so rather than covering a specific uh, amount of distance, they give you a, a set time, and uh, you're trying to, to, you know, cover as much ground as you can. So you're 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 scored based off of how far you go. So you spin on a bike, Correct. stationary. Yep. Treadmill. Th- then you go in the pool and the treadmill. Yep. And you end on the treadmill. Ah, uh, yes, yeah. You you swim first, then bike, then run. And you were overall winner, not just age group. I, I was the overall winner. Cool. Yeah. And now you moments. go where? Where do you go from there? This is it. Yeah, that, that's the pinnacle. That, that's, my, that's my peak right now. Wow. There is no more. <laughs> now, you happen to be a, a physical therapist who helped me in my recovery from my uh, knee replacement surgery. And during that time, I noticed that you've got a bum knee. I do have a bad knee. So how do you run? You know, that, that's actually an interesting topic. Um, you know, looking at exercise and aging, um, as, as physical therapists do, um, you know, we, we, we have these preconceived notions about things that are age-related changes. Just because you have a bad knee doesn't mean you can't run. It's building up other muscles um, that becomes very, very key. Now, Cora's shaking her head yes, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, people people use their physical, what they consider physical limitations to really limit it, limit anything that they do. So, I, you know, we hear that a lot in our seniors. You know, they say, oh, well, it hurts. So, you know, the doctor said I shouldn't put pressure on my knee. I shouldn't run. I shouldn't exercise. Well, that's the worst thing that you can do is be sedentary. You, you, you're correct. You need to support the other muscles and allow them to, to take over and compensate for, for the ones that hurt. In fact, uh, it's counterintuitive. Uh, if you've got arthritis and pain, the counterintuitive part is you should exercise. You, you really, really mm-hmm. should. I mean, um, I, I, I do home visits when I'm, as you, as you know. Oh, you came to um, our house. I, yeah. I did, I did. And, um, you know, that, that's what we do at Home Care Dimensions. It's, it's home, home therapy. And we see a lot of people with arthritis. And what they don't want to do is move, but really they need to move. And it, it, the less they move, the more pain you're going to wind up in. It becomes this cycle. Um, and and what we try to do is to break people out of that cycle. Over the weekend, uh, uh, my wife and I and our three little kids went to the Elan Market, H-E-B, on Northwest Military Highway here in San Antonio. I must have walked 20 miles, or so it seemed. <laughs> I would call that exercise. That's what I figured. I, I feel good about it. Hey. You should. I'm out there working. You know, and not only does the exercise help the muscles of our body, it also stimulates our brain. So in, in doing a lot of research for my projects, as we've been talking about along this the way. This is on your up. Yeah, on my doctorate. Um, you know, I, I did I did a lot of um, literature review on depression and, you know, what, what helps depression. And we think about, you know, medications that help depression. But really and truly, what has been shown over and over and over and is free and doesn't have side effects is exercise. And so they find that the more you exercise, you stimulate those endorphins and those endorphins go up to the brain they make you happy but they also make you feel good they make your body feel good they make your muscles feel good and your muscles get to where they crave more exercise how does it do with a cold because uh, andrew's had a cold for 900 weeks i've had one for about 10 years or so it seems so you exercise with a mask on 
How about that? So that you don't breathe in anything. The HEPA filter over your face so that you don't breathe in any of the allergens. Or you know what? You exercise in Arizona in the desert. Then you don't have allergies. Well, he was just in Phoenix and came back with an allergy and a (laughs) It was probably from the plane trip. (laughs) You know, that's a good point. You're in an incubator. (laughs) Now, Dr. Morgan, at uh, the place where you work, Home Dimensions, uh, you used to see a lot of patients. Now they bumped you up into management. Management, I do, I do training, um, uh, but yes, uh, I'm the director of therapy services and the alternate administrator, um, uh, so I, I do have other responsibilities. Do you miss the patient contact? I do, uh, but I still see some patients, you know, but at my heart, you know, you mentioned my undergrad from Baylor, uh, Bachelor of Science in Education, I'm a teacher, so whether I'm working with a, with a, with a patient uh, or training other therapists uh, at Home Care Dimensions, we, you know, that, that's, that's the big thing that I'm trying to, to do is educate. And, you know, we, we look at things that, that, that we've just come up with as, uh, you know, science has said that these are, you know, certain things just happen as you age. And what we have discovered is a lot of those things that just happen really don't have to just happen. Mm-hmm. He's Dr. Andrew Morgan. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Cora Juke. You're listening to WellMed Radio on 930 AM, The Answer. And Cora, you may not know this, but uh, Andrew and I starred in a WellMed movie. Really? <laughs> How to Get In and Out of a Bed. I was the patient. I did hear about this. That's and right. he was the instructor. I did hear about this. That was fun. It was fun. It was fun. And yeah. things I didn't realize about getting in and out of a bed. You'd think you'd do it all your life, right? Mm-hmm. But it was helpful to understand ways in which, especially if you've had knee surgery or hip surgery, uh, how you can minimize pain and get in and out. You know, the one thing I, I will say is is just to what you had just said, Dr. Morgan, though, about that a lot of this stuff we equate with with aging, and, and that's not necessarily true. So, you know, I think about these young athletes. My son, for example, my son uh, last two years ago broke his um, his, C, his C6, and he just broke his, in his neck. The, yeah, the, just the, the little bony process, the spinous process right off of, you know, the back of, of um, this vertebrae. And... When he did that, he still has pain to this day, and it's more arthritic than anything. And so, you know, he says it doesn't hurt all the time, but I can tell when the weather changes, things get a little stiffer. And he says, I thought that was a disease for old people. And I said, no, son, it's a disease of injury, or it's, you know, it's a disease that you hurt this particular area. And so you've got to learn to do the, you know, they, they taught him all the neck rolls and things to really build up those muscles in the neck. I said, you've got to support those bones. Your muscles are what supports you. When they talk about your core, you know, your core, your your belly and your and your buttocks area, that's what supports you. And you've got to build those up if you don't want to have hip pain and knee pain and ankle pain and shoulder pain and everything else. Well, and in, in school, you know, when we're, we're, we're trained to look at a problem, you know, you, you, somebody comes in with, with knee pain. You don't just focus on the knee. You right. look one, one joint above, well, one, one joint, joint below. below. And, you know, I, I work with a lot of therapists, and I think sometimes as clinicians we forget that. Somebody mm-hmm. comes in and, oh, you have a knee problem, let's do all of these knee exercises, when in reality the problem more, more likely comes from your hip. Right. And if you were to look at, you know, when I teach, I make the argument that arthritis, not, not as, it's not a disease, it's an injury. Mm-hmm. Just like, you know, uh, carpal tunnel syndrome. It's a repetitive stress injury. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but if we can correct it through through proper exercise, building up the muscles above, such as, you know, the hips, which you just mentioned, then we can alleviate, you know, a lot of these, these potential problems. You know, I thought about that not long ago. I, I had a pinched nerve in my neck. I slept funny. My arm was sort of twisted under me and the pain radiated down my arm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Well, you got to think, though, you know, the, the nerves start in the brain, right? And so they they kind of branch out. So you've got them that branch out into the hands and branch out down to the trunk and then into the legs. And, you know, if you hurt yourself above, that's going to affect what happens in, in the communication lines and the wires down to the arms. So, yeah, you know, when people think that they have carpal tunnel, a lot of times it's not carpal tunnel. A lot of times it's in the neck. And so we tell them, you know, you've got to, you've got to learn how to exercise the muscles of your neck and strengthen them because your head's heavy. It's 
it's got to be able to, you know, your neck muscles have to be able to support this heavy head. And if you don't exercise those muscles, and, and it, it drives me crazy because I see everybody doing this now. You know, they're bending their heads down and looking at the phone. You've only built up one set of muscles. The rest of them, and, and now a lot of people have this kyphosis or this bending over. These children do because that's all they've done. They've trained their muscles and their, their you know, their their posture to, to hit this way. That's interesting. Yeah, and, and we're seeing it more and more and more. You know, it used to be the little old ladies that we would see with the kyphosis or the humpback, you know, and, and not anymore. We're seeing a lot of children with it now. And what do you do for them? Um, first of all, you tell take them to the take the phone away. Absolutely. You've got to take the phone away and you've got to teach them how to exercise their neck because they'll, they'll complain of pain all the time. And we have, you know, parents that think that their child has meningitis because their neck hurts all the time. And I'm like, if your neck would hurt even worse than this, but you've trained your muscles to look in one direction. How do you exercise the neck, Dr. Morgan? This being radio, you have to do this verbally. <laughs> well, you know, I probably wouldn't be focused on the neck. I'll probably be more focused in the large muscles yeah, in the, the back, and... the, you know, the lats, uh, you know, doing things like rowing, uh, which everyone can kind of visualize. Um, uh, you know, swimming is a great exercise to build, to build the, the, those kinds of muscles. Resistance training, um, uh, you know, large muscle groups is what we want to focus on. Uh, you know, if you're playing competitive football, sure, you can focus on a lot of the smaller muscles. But, you know, for for our older age group, we're looking at large muscle groups. Um, like I meant, you know, you, you said the, the neck, I'm, I'm thinking the muscles in the back, the mm-hmm. large muscles in the back. Mm-hmm. If you ever want to see somebody have and, and try to focus on where their their injury or where their pain is, watch people try to get out of a chair. I always, when I watch my patients try to get out of a chair, I can always tell what either what muscles they are not using on a daily basis. You know, when they're trying to get up, and I can tell that they're really having a hard time struggling. You know, getting up, I can tell they haven't worked their core at all. They haven't worked their their abdominal muscles, and you can usually look at them and tell that too, or their buttock muscles because they just can't get up. I can see people who say, "I just have such a hard time lifting anything." Well, do you lift anything at home? No. Well, you haven't built those muscles up. You've got spaghetti noodles for arms because you haven't built them up. You haven't built up your back. You know, when I see people with the posture that that looks like a humpback they haven't built up any of those muscles back in the back to support them at all and and if you watch people get out of a chair you can usually identify what they do and don't do at home so what do you do to exercise well, I actually started going back to the gym so you had to remember a lot of my exercise a lot of my my um, stretching and strength training has to do with breaking steers because we do a lot of that. That's not cardiac exercise, cardiovascular, cardiopulmonary exercise, but more of like the strength training. So we do a lot of that. I lift heavy feed bags. I lift hundred pound feed bags probably three times a week, um, putting them from the truck and into the into the feed bins. Um, but then I actually started biking and I started doing the rowing. I love the rowing because I was noticing, man, these feed bags are really starting to wear on my shoulders and my arms. And I realized I haven't worked the other muscles of my back So do you have a rowing all. machine? No, but the gym does. It has a brand new rowing machine, and it is so cool. And it actually has a has a uh, monitor where you can go places. You know, you watch yourself rowing, and, and you have a team, and you have somebody who's calling to you, row, row, you know, or whatever it is she says. I can't really understand her. I just hear her yelling at me. So I know what, you know, what speed to go at. But it's so... It's so fun, and they've made exercise now more fun than it used to be. I mean, going on a treadmill and just running and looking at a wall is not fun, but when they have the television or they have a radio and now they've got iPods and phones, you can at least distract your mind so you're not just thinking, well, I'm just sitting here running, running in place, and it's no fun. Now, when you're not doing triathlons, Dr. Morgan, what do you do for exercise? I I do – I run, actually, a lot. Um, um, I do – I run about once a week because I do have a bad knee, uh, but I also use the elliptical. I use a couple of different versions of the elliptical. I do one that, that is a standard elliptical, but then twice a week I also do one that is a lateral elliptical. Now, for folks who don't know an elliptical from a treadmill, what is an elliptical? Okay, uh, it's think um, – how can I describe that? Think uh, running but without the impact. That, that's probably the easiest way to describe it. It's it's almost, if you remember, if people remember the old Nordic track, it's like a cross between a treadmill and a Nordic track. So you're, you're basically simulating the same movement, but you're not, you're not having the impact on the joint. Not like a Stairmaster. No, not like a Stairmaster. 
It's almost the fluidity of skiing, you know, thinking skiing or standing up and riding a bike is kind of what I equate yeah, it that, to, yeah. standing up, riding a bike. But I, I agree. I love the elliptical machine because it doesn't hurt the knees. Like people who tell me that I have bad knees and it hurts too bad with the impact of the running or my ankles hurt every time I impact running, then I always tell them, then get on the elliptical machine and always get the trainer at the gym. If you're new to silver sneakers, get the trainer at the gym to explain how to use the equipment properly. Now we'll explain silver sneakers in just a minute. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Cora Juk, our co-host and our very special guest today, Dr. Andrew Morgan. He's with Home Care Dimensions, a WellMed company, and we're talking about aging and exercise right here on WellMed Radio on 9.30 a.m., The Answer. Carol Zornio, we talk a lot about caregiving on Caregiver SOS on air, but what is it? Caregiving is caring for a family member, a friend, a loved one, someone who's in your life that needs help with bathing, dressing, buying groceries, medical appointments. If you do any of those things, you're a caregiver. And how can this program help? Caregiver SOS on air has information from people who have been caregivers, who work with caregivers. It can be book authors, scientists, doctors, the latest information on caregiving right here on KLUP. And one of the things we learn from so many folks is they fail to ask for help when they need it. Well, caregivers do need help. We don't like to ask for help, but we need it. And you'll get tips on how to ask for help and how to have a better life as a family caregiver. Plus, there's a great website you can go to, caregiversos.org. Caregiver SOS on air, Sundays at 6 p.m. on 9.30 a.m., The Answer. We are rocking and rolling right here on WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Cora Juke, a nurse, nurse practitioner, and we're delighted to have her with us every week. We're also joined today by Dr. Andrew Morgan. He is a Baylor University undergrad, MBA, uh, MB, MA, pardon me, and a doctorate from UT Health, and an MBA, we got it now, from UTSA, and he's a uh, triathlete, which is pretty exciting. He's with Home Care Dimensions, a well-med company. So, Dr. Morgan, you were saying to me off the air, and I said, no, 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 don't tell me now. Tell me on the air that a lot of athletes like yourself like pain. So there's a psychology of the endurance athlete. And one thing when, when they do these interviews to try to figure out why endurance athletes do what we do, the thing that kind of is uniform in a lot of these studies is pain. We have the ability to endure and push through larger amounts of pain than most normal people. But as Cora was mentioning earlier, the reason we, we like that is because, you know, the body's response to pain is to produce endorphins. So then it makes you feel good. That's so the you feel good drug. That's the feel good drug. So you have the pain and then you get the pain, but then you get the feel-good drug afterwards that your body's producing naturally. Now, remind me, I, I remember you mentioning that you ran track in I your did. younger years. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I ran for uh, – I'm, I'm originally from California, I ran, uh, but I ran for Baylor, uh, the, the 800 and the 1500 meters. Now, those are long races. They're middle – they're considered middle distance. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so you, you, you have to have – you got to have a balance of muscle fibers. You got to have some of the fast twitch and some of the slow twitch um, to be able to do those events. And when you're running those long distances, what is your mind doing? What are you thinking about? So if I'm running something like you know the 800, I'm thinking, okay, you know this hurts because the the 800. Anybody who knows track, the 800 just hurts. You don't have the time to settle into any some sort of a comfortable pace. The 1500 is known as the thinking man's race and you're thinking about positioning. You know, that that's all you that's all you're thinking about is where you're going to be because the 1500 is is, you know, 1200 meters building up to a 400 meter all out sprint or 1300 meters building up to a 400 meter all out sprint. And that's the end of the race. That's the end of the race. And you see some people who really have that kick. Yes, that's what you're building up for. And then others who don't? Well, if you're going to compete, at, you know, you know, most people, if they're watching the 1500 and they're not track junkies like me, 
they're going to watch it at the Olympics, and that's pretty much it. And that's the way all of those events are nowadays. It's it's all about the kick. You know, one thing that I think the viewer or the listeners need to understand, because, it, you know, you don't see people in radio, but they need to understand that, you know, Dr. Morgan is not built like you and I. Okay, we, you got, he has these long legs, grasshopper legs, if you will. And so he, getting running and getting your stride, you know, I, at first, I'm sure the coordination is something that you have to kind of get into. But for those of us like Ron and I, who have, legs. we have, yeah, I always called them tree trunks. I have tree trunk legs, you know, they're just short and squatty. And they, you know, <laughs> the only thing I ever knew how to do was sprint. And I and I would tell people that I say I am not coordinated enough to do long distance running. I have never been able to, one, establish the heel toe pattern of running. I I run on my toes as a sprinter would, and I've tried the heel toe, and I'm not coordinated enough to do it. So to coach somebody through that, especially some of our patients who say, I would like to start running, some of the younger ones just to say, I would like to start this. I don't have the coordination to to tell them the correct technique. So yeah, it's, it's always been interesting to people or to me to people who can run long distances because I've never been able to do it when did you know you liked running long distances um I think it was more my parents were just trying to get me out of the house so they just you know, I actually my background was swimming first I swam competitively and and uh, uh that I was hyperactive as a child what a surprise. Um, yeah, I figured you'd so say was that. So was I. <laughs> I was hyperactive as a child, and my mom wanted me to do something to burn off the energy, and so I was in competitive swimming for six years. And just you just build a huge aerobic base from something like swimming, and at that point I could move into really just about mm-hmm. any sort of endurance event. When I was five years old, my mother found a local camp that had weekend horseback riding, and she would send me out 8 in the morning on Saturday. I'd get home about 7 at night. And she was thrilled, and I loved it. So it worked out pretty well, but it got me into a great sport. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's really good. Swimming is one of those exercises that you're right. You can do anything. If you can swim, you can do anything as far as exercise because you are using every single muscle in your body to swim. You are, but there's a disadvantage to swimming. And really? I'm a huge proponent of swimming. So just just – but there's two disadvantages. The first disadvantage is you don't actually build muscle strength. Ah, okay. Because you're not getting any actual resistance. Well, the water Even, resists, doesn't it? It, it? it does, but it's not the proper type of loading resistance that mm. you would need in order to produce measurable strength gains. The other problem, and especially with our lot of our, our our older adult listener, is bone density. Mm-hmm. So you're not getting the compressive forces that are actually required that in order bearing. the weight bearing that are that, that's required in order to improve bone density. So it's not saying that swimming is bad, but if your goal is to improve bone density or improve strength. We really need to be getting people into more of a resistance type. And that doesn't mean weights. Body, your body can be resistance, but we need to be loading the joints and challenging the muscles in order to produce strength. And contrary to, what's, to what science was teaching 10, 15 years ago, we can continue to see strength gains and improve muscle mass in older adults. Um, In 2017, the American College of Sports Medicine published a study on men in their 70s, and not only can we reverse muscle loss, we can increase muscle mass into the 70s without any sort of hormones or... So what what we thought was just normal age-related stuff... It's not. It's not age-related at all. Unless you're sedentary. That's what it is. That's the key. It's, it's activity-related. So as we get older, you become less active. And because you become less active, that's what leads to the muscle loss. With this being January and, and everybody, you know, with New Year's resolutions and looking at exercise, I, I get a lot of questions from patients. What is the best thing that I can do? The cheapest, even though they have silver sneakers, they, you know, it's cold outside. They have every excuse why they can't So what is silver go. sneakers? Silver sneakers is a program that is available to Medicare Advantage population patients um, who can go to a gym and there are affiliated gyms and, and they will pay a per 
fee, a per month fee, um, the Medicare will pay for it so that the patient can go free of charge to the gym to exercise. And many of these gyms, you know, it, there's no time limit. Um, the patient can spend the whole day there if they wanted to. Um, they can do the classes. Now, of course, if the gym requires you to pay additional fee for classes, then you would have to pay that out of pocket. But for like a standard $35 a month gym membership, Silver Sneakers will pay for that. Um, they don't pay for the personal trainers that people like to do, um, but there are trainers available to explain how to use the equipment. And we do also have, um, if you're not interested in doing the Silver Sneakers, we also have around San Antonio and, and many of the areas that, that there are well-made clinics. Um, I know DFW just opened a brand new one, but there are senior centers, and these senior centers have gym equipment and some of the state-of-the-art gym equipment that you can go to and there is somebody there to explain how to use the equipment and they clean it off and not only that but it's great for socialization it's not just the exercise of the body but it's exercise of the mind now if you can't do that and I have a lot of patients who say I just can't go out of the house and I say what you need to do is you need to go to Walmart and you need to get a rubber band that is the most important thing that you can do because you're doing strength training you're using your body and with resistance you don't mean a little rubber bands no 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 i mean those big giant rubber bands that you can use for resistance exercises i said do push-ups against a wall do wall sits if you can or just get up off the couch or a chair stand up and sit down stand up and sit down at commercial times you know do anything at home that's free. Um, If you can get up off of a toilet, then you can stand up and sit down off of a chair. See, I would get rid of the remotes that Ah. people have that turn (laughs) TVs on and off. When I was a kid, I'm a little older than you guys. I had to go turn the TV. I was the channel changer. There were no remotes. So the youngest in the family, uh, Ronnie, will you change the station, Mm -hmm. was the remote. Mm -hmm. So you'd get up and you'd turn the little knob and change the Mm -hmm. station. But you had to get up to do that. Right. And you only had one through 12 of the stations. Yes. And then along came the remote. Yes. Yes. And it was all over. That and the garage door opener. Yes. Yeah. I was a garage door opener. I was a gate opener. There yes. Are. Yes. But now they're all automated. You're right. And so it has made us very sedentary. You know, the most exercise that people get, you go you, now they don't even go to H-E-B and Walmart and go grocery shopping anymore. You can get curbside service. And or you can get it home delivered. They'll bring it to you. Yeah. Exactly. That used to be a lot of people's exercise. I'd say go to Walmart and walk around the entire perimeter of the store three times. You can use your basket to hold on to for stabilization, but walk three times around the whole perimeter of the store, then grocery shop. That's what I mentioned earlier at the Elan Market on Northwest Military, H-E-B Market. On Saturday, we walked around and around the store Mm -hmm. looking at stuff. It doesn't feel like work. But it's a lot of exercise. It is. But you also have to remember you've got to establish a pace, too. You you know, strolling along, while that is some good exercise, you still have to get your heart rate up. You need to – you've got to burn some calories, too. And you need to sweat and you need to exercise your heart because just simply strolling around doesn't exercise your heart. And your heart is a muscle and you don't want it to get large. You want it to stay smaller, but you want it to pump – at slower speeds rather than tacking along at 90 beats a minute like mine was. What makes it get large? (laughs) Well, disease process will make it get large. Leading a sedentary lifestyle can also lead to congestive heart failure and things like that and heart cardiac disease. You don't want, when when you do have your autopsy one day, we're all potentially going to be there. Thank you very much. But when you do, you don't want them to slice into your heart and it be, have those gelatinous you know, um, deposits all around it or be a different color than it should be, like the black or the dark, dark, deep brown. You don't want it to look like that. You definitely want it to be about the size of your fist and you definitely want all the chambers and the walls to look pretty thin. That's Emmy humor. Wow, <laughs> look at this heart here. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's a great example because there used to be a show, um, an autopsy show, but it wasn't It wasn't on crimes. Only it was you just, would watch an autopsy show. But, you know, show. My, my kids would watch it with me, and we would watch it because it was talking about disease process, actually. It was a medical show, and they were talking about disease process. And my son one time looked at these lungs that they cut open, and when you cut them open, the smoke came up and he said oh my goodness did you see that I said yeah this person's been a smoker you can see the tar deposits and 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 just the the lining looked horrible I said that's what disease does and he says oh I don't want brown lungs I don't want a brown heart you know so it, it was an impact for yes, him I would um, think and I'd tell, I used to tell patients the same thing I used to love to use the cholesterol um, tubes 
And I'd say, here's what your your body looks like on cheeseburgers or your blood looks like on cheeseburgers. And it was this yellow fat Mm. deposit. And they could touch it and they'd say, ooh, it feels like flubber. That's what they would call it, flubber. It feels like flubber. And I said, or you could have this kind of blood where, you know, it's separate and you'd see the red blood cells at the bottom and you'd see that, you know, the plasma stuff on top. And I said, this is what it should look like. This is clean blood, but this is cholesterol laden blood. And so it's very impactful when you can actually see it. I see a new TV series. Top 10 autopsies with Cora. Yeah, yeah, I would love it. You know, that was that was actually my dream. I my my first dream before I became a nurse practitioner, I actually wanted to be um, a funeral director. I wanted to do I wanted to do a lot of the I wanted to do the makeup of the dead bodies. Like I, I love it. Um, and then instead of that, I went into the operating room. Right, right. <laughs> Where nobody is allowed to die. <laughs> no, but but I do. I love every aspect of life. But I, I do love studying people who have died of disease because when you do that, you, you actually make lifestyle changes for, to yourself to say, I don't want that. I want to learn and, and establish better habits so that I don't get to this point. Well, it's interesting. And when you think about aging, as we started out talking about it, and, and Dr. Andrew Morgan, we were talking about correlating exercise mm-hmm. with aging. When you walk into somebody's home uh, for the first time, they uh, have come out of surgery or for whatever reason, uh, physical therapy has been recommended to them and you come in and you look at somebody, you make an instant judgment about how much exercise they've been doing and usually the answer is none. <laughs> how do you get them off the couch? Well, I don't actually get them off the couch. I make them get themselves off the couch and, you know, you, uh, you... That was my wife's approach to caregiving. <laughs> mm-hmm. When I couldn't walk, she'd say, get it yourself. I think that's a, you know, she, was, she must have learned that you were the remote control previously. Exactly. Tough love. Yeah. Um, but, it, it, no, it, it starts with, with, you know, literally getting somebody off of the couch. And, I mean, if I have one exercise, you know, current current research is telling, you know, some therapists would go out and give these huge long programs. But if I'm wanting someone actually to do it, there just last year, research said two to four exercises. Super simple. And if you remember, I kept our That's pro- what you gave me. I kept your program very, very simple. And one of the exercises that, that, that I focused on from day one was it wasn't getting up and down from the chair, but it was basically the same thing. It was doing squats. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if I have one exercise that I'm going to get a, a patient to do, uh, that I'm going to push them to do, it's, it's doing a proper squat uh, because that is a functional exercise. It is something that they have to do when they're getting up from their couch, when they're, when they're getting off the toilet. And it, it, regardless of, of what else has gone on, if they've had a stroke, they've had a rotator cuff repair, again, we're talking about we're talking about, you know, older adults, they can't just get up from the couch without using their arms. If you've had a rotator cuff surgery, most older adults require their arms to, to get up from the couch. Um, at least the ones that I see, you know, for home care dimensions, um, statistically that shouldn't be happening. We, we actually have, have studies that will tell us you know, depending on how old you are, you should be able to get up and down from a straight chair with no arms without pushing, with, without having to use your arms. Mm-hmm. And, and that's without falling over on your face. That is without falling over on your face. But what happens is, and, and, and Cora's mentioned the glutes many, many times. Um, we, we, we could, you know, talk the whole time about the butt and the importance of the butt. I mean, the heart's the mm-hmm. most important muscle in the body. The second most is definitely the, mm-hmm. the, the glutes. You, 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 they're just involved in everything that, that we do from a functional standpoint. They're teaching kindergartners about muscles. I know that because our twin boys are in kindergarten. And one day, Kennedy got off the school bus and he said to me, Daddy, and he was patting his butt. He said, Dad, do you know what that is? And I said, well, it's your butt. He said, no, it's my gluteus maximus. It is. It's your gluteus maximus. Right. And, and uh, you know, you asked me the question earlier about, how I can run with a bad knee. If you were, the truth is, if you were to look at my knee, my, my x-rays, most people think my, my, my knee belongs to a 75-year-old man. I have tricompartmental arthritis, so I can relate to a lot of the patients. Now, what does tricompartmental arthritis mean? Oh, sorry. There is a, you have the inside of the knee, which is the medial. That's one compartment. 
the outside, which is the lateral compartment, and then the kneecap in between the kneecap uh, is, is the third compartment between the 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 femur, the long thigh bone, right. and the kneecap. That becomes the third compartment. And I have arthritis in all three areas, but when I run, I have no pain. And it's actually, you know, I'm not built like most distance runners, most distance runners don't really have big glutes, but I actually have big glutes because of, you know, the involvement with glutes and cycling. And, you know, that, that the glutes are doing their job. So therefore, I, I'm taking a lot of the forces off of my knees. Oh. You know, the other thing is, is with the squats too, <clears throat> if you cannot do a good squat with proper form, you can actually injure yourself further. So if you're not sitting on the toilet correctly, if you're, you know, your knees are extending over your feet, you're, you're causing more damage to your body. So you are exactly right. You have to learn how to do a proper squat to do anything. I can say from having a rotator cuff, myself, you know, you don't think about how important your legs and and rear end is to get you up off of a toilet when you, you know, when you're not using your arms for balance or anything, but because people do um, squats properly or they learn how to do squats properly, they can function a whole lot better. Now they do make toilets that are higher up. Sure, but you still have to learn how to squat down. Are they better for seniors, the higher toilets? Unless you're climbing up. (laughs) They're easier for seniors. I wouldn't say better, Mm -hmm. um, but they're easier for seniors. Uh, You you travel overseas, you know, what what we call a low-flow toilet, you know, you go to Europe and they would consider that a high-flow toilet because, you know, you, you go to a lot of countries overseas and a a toilet's a little hole in the ground. Really? And oh yeah, yeah. So it's you. You truly are squatting over, you know, over the toilet, huh. and um, you know. So I, I will say it's easier for the seniors rather than better. I, I'm, I'm a. Again, you got to use it. If you don't use it, you lose it, and that that's been our biggest problem. Is is you know, it's 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 a sedentary society. We we take. You know the the the, old, the 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 population that that I would treat as a patient. You know, and the work that a lot of those those uh, men and women did. You know, it was work in man- manufacturing. It was work in fields. It was physical labor. Now we have people sitting in front of a computer all day long, which technology is great, but there is a downside to it in that you have to set aside other time to get exercise. And the CDC just released a stat that said that, you know, this current millennial generation is the first generation since World War II that has a lower life expectancy than their parents. Really? Yes. So it, that's depressing. Yeah, it is depressing. One thing that I will say is, is you know, I, I'm going to kind of tell him my husband for a minute, but, you know, when I first met him, he had been a tennis player and, and he had not only done tennis, but he had also um, been doing lifting weights and he did some power lifting. And, and so he had great form. And, and I hate to say this at the time, but it, or I loved it at the time, but he had what we would consider a kind of a bubble, butt. you know, it, it was, a, but it was, it was nice. Right. So now I look and now he's kind of aging and he says it's a product of aging where, you know, the rear end kind of falls off, you know, like he just falls off the world and he doesn't fill his pants out the same way that he used to. And he says, well, that's just a product product of aging. And I hear that from a lot of my patients who say, you know, well, my, my rear end just kind of fell off. No, it's because you never exercise those yeah. particular muscles. You could still have the bubble butt or the, you know, you could have that nice rear end that does does hold your pants up instead of, you know, it falling off. But a lot of these elderly men, older men who don't squat, you know, they'll, they lift their feed bags, but they do everything upper body. Nothing is squatting. Trucks are higher. Um, toilets are higher. Kitchen chairs are higher now. We climb up into them instead of squatting down into them. And so we have, we've lost our ability to do a squat. I see a GoFundMe account for Cora's husband, Pay for implants. No, he needs, he needs to do some squats is what he needs to do. We talked about doing wall sits because my son does a lot of wall sits. Now, what's a wall where sit? Where you sit against a wall and you're, you know, you basically, you're you're looking like you're in a chair, but there's no chair underneath so you. you slide down the wall? You Well, and you just sit and hold at a 90 degree angle, I guess, you know, huh. like you're sitting in a chair. Your, your knees are at a 90 degree angle, but you're sitting 
uh, just up against the wall, but there's nothing there. So you're building core muscles, you know, and, and my son talks about the burn in his thighs and the burn and, you know, in his rear end, but that is great. And I told my husband, I said, we need to do the same thing so you can rebuild that up. But so many of our patients have it. And, they and just what's say, his response, by the way? Um, well, we do it for a day and then, you know, we get busy. <laughs> now, he, he works EMS. Mm-hmm. He'd been a firefighter. Mm-hmm. Don't they require exercise and training? You know, they have lots of exercise equipment. Every firehouse I've been in has incredible equipment. Mm-hmm. The you know the misconception is is that they're like running constantly, and they and they do. They're busy. It depends on what area of town that they're in, but they are busy. You know, they they do make a lot of runs, and some of them are kind of questionable runs. And they have the exercise equipment available, but many firefighters prefer the upper body strength of eating, you know, taking the fork to mouth, and they do a lot of that. It's so funny because there's always a joke, you know, if you want to become a firefighter, you, by the time you by the time you retire, you've gained, you know, 40 pounds because you've done a lot of eating <laughs> instead, a lot of sedentary stuff when you come back to well, the Well, they're station. all cooking for themselves, right? You're exactly right. Yeah. Interesting. And, and the wives bake. Mm-hmm. She's Cora Juke. I'm Ron Aaron. <laughs> And our special guest today is uh, Andrew Morgan. He's with Home Care Dimensions, a well-med company, and works as a physical therapist, has a doctorate, and an MBA from UTSA. Uh, so, Dr. Morgan, uh, the difference between a PT, physical therapist, and an OT, occupational therapist, different reasons for their practice? There is. That, that's actually a very good question. Um, uh, and then so I get also, one out of all this time. No, that's a really no, that's a really good question. And there's also I'm speech. Just there, there, there's speech therapy as well. So there, there's the the third department. Uh, contrary to some popular belief that PTs only do the lower body and OTs only do the upper body, that is that is not true. Um, we actually both work with the entire body. Uh, I would say, as a general rule, just you know, for for listener understanding. PTs are looking at more gross motor movements, uh, walking, uh, uh, you know, balance, uh, but the larger movements. OTs. I remember when you first came to my house, uh, you asked if I uh, could show you where the shower was and, yep. and would I mind stepping in and showing you that. So like I had you get in the shower. And, and then the bathroom, you had me sit on the toilet as well. What were you looking for? I was looking um, at, number one, your ability to complete those tasks, so the transfers um, an OT might come in. An OT is going to be concerned not only with the, the ability to transfer, but also, you know, when you get into the bath, can you actually bathe yourself? Um, can you dress yourself? You know, I, I would be concerned. Can you get your clothes out of a, out of a bottom drawer? You know, do you have the glute strength to do that? Um, but the OT would be more concerned about what do you do with it once you have it. And then what about functions around uh, the kitchen, for example? That would be that would be the OT's department as well. Um, and, and they assist you in your job, whatever physical requirements are, are needed there. They they could um, um, PTs do some of that as well. You know, again, like the the the, the physical aspect. So you know, if you're uh, if you're working down at the Toyota plant, for example, uh, Toyota actually has a an on-site physical therapist. Um, but you know, you're talking again about you know, lifting, stooping, pulling, bending, big, big movements that involve big muscle groups. All soon to be replaced by robots. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of cross though, you know, cross practice between PTs and OTs. Correct. And 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 that's I guess where people get get confused. Um, I know when you you know, physical therapists will show you how to squat or sit so that you can tie your shoes or so that you can perform many of these functions. It's the OTs who teach you about the actual tying, how to get with your your fine, fine I talk about fine motor skills versus gross motor skills. But the the thing is is that physical therapists can also teach you that. So a lot of patients, you know, you think that they may need just occupational therapy. But when I prescribe, I always prescribe for physical therapy. And the physical therapist can say, hey, listen, now we've accomplished this. Now it's time to go ahead and add some OT um, rather than just adding both at the same time. Because a patient needs to learn how to squat and sit before they can ever learn how to do the fine dexterity things. Correct. Yeah. See, with tying shoes, that's why God made Velcro. (laughs) 
there is that. Sure, but you still have to put the Velcro That's on. That's true. You still have to be able to get your heel into the shoe. So, you know, there's a lot of, but there's a lot of cross stuff because I have seen physical therapists also teach a lot of the OT things since they're there, you know, and they're, and they're fully capable of doing so. We're raising a whole generation of kids who don't know how to tie shoes because they're all Velcro. And not only that, but now the tie shoes, I mean, even the ones that I'm wearing today, they're just, they slide on. So you look like you have to tie them, but you don't. You just kind of slip them on. Yeah, I wear slip-ons most of the time, too. Mm Mm-hmm. A little, uh, uh. And I, w- I will say this, though, about slip-on shoes. With our, with our population that we treat, I, I tell patients all the time, stay away from Crocs. Stay away from shoes that slide in and that are made of plastic that will catch. Because I can tell you, I've worn Crocs many times, and my toe gets caught, and I almost fall. Tell I me s- more about that okay. in just a minute. You're listening to WellMed Radio on 930 AM, The Answer. I'm Ron Aaron. Our special guest today, and we're delighted to have him back, is Dr. Andrew Morgan. We've been talking about aging, exercise, and related physical activity. Cora Juke, a nurse practitioner, is our co-host. You hear Woman Radio on 930 AM, The Answer. Carol Zornio, we talk a lot about caregiving on Caregiver SOS on air, but what is it? Caregiving is caring for a family member, a friend, a loved one, someone who's in your life that needs help with bathing, dressing, buying groceries, medical appointments. If you do any of those things, you're a caregiver. And how can this program help? Caregiver SOS On Air has information from people who have been caregivers, who work with caregivers. It can be book authors, scientists, doctors, the latest information on caregiving right here on KLUP. And one of the things we learn from so many folks is they fail to ask for help when they need it. Well, caregivers do need help. We don't like to ask for help, but we need it. And you'll get tips on how to ask for help and how to have a better life as a family caregiver. Plus, there's a great website you can go to, caregiversos.org. Caregiver SOS on air, Sundays at 6 p.m. on 9.30 a.m., The Answer. So if you have kids or grandkids who are three, four, five, six years old, how are they doing with shoe tying? We've been talking about that for seniors who, as Cora Juke, our co-host on WellMed Radio, I'm Ron Aaron. As Cora was saying, for seniors, you ask them to avoid Crocs. I, I ask them to avoid a lot of the slide-in shoes, especially shoes that don't have a back that can actually enclose the foot. One, there's an issue with diabetes. So we have p- patients who have neuropathy and can't feel their feet. And so if you're wearing Crocs, then it's something that has a hole or something that gives very easily, it doesn't protect your, your skin. So that's one. But, but two, carry that out. If you have neuropathy... And you get a cut on your foot, what's the next thing that can go wrong? Well, you can develop a significant infection. And most of the time, people who have significant neuropathy don't feel that cut. So they don't know it's there until one day they look and their their toe is black. So those are are some issues. I always tell patients, get good protective leather shoes that can cover the whole foot and that you actually have to wear a sock. And I actually ask my patient, ask my patients to wear white socks because they breathe white cotton socks and they, they absorb some of the sweat and they wick it away from the foot. But also it doesn't, the, the black tends to, to hold the sweat in a little bit more and it also causes more fungal infections because it's dark, okay, darker, darker color. So I, I ask my patients one to wear good protective shoes, but never wear flip-flops, never wear slides, never wear Crocs, because again, you can trip and fall very easily. Wear good soles, good protective soles that that will not slide, I guess, but but something that won't stick, like the rubber of the Crocs. They stick really easily. Falls are a huge problem for seniors. Absolutely, absolutely. And if you don't have good muscle mass and, and good, well, good bone density, you're going to fall and you're going to break. And Dr. Morgan, uh, can you do a home assessment uh, to see if there are risks of falls? Yes, that's that's one of the things. Anytime uh, uh, any of the therapists from home care dimensions are going out to see patients, uh, th- that's a standard part of the evaluation. We and it depends on the person's individual functional level, but there is a, a variety of different tests that we will do uh, to assess uh, for someone's uh, uh, fall risk. What, what are the, some of the things you look for? Um, you know, we could look at basic function, you know, how you complete various tasks, but there's also some very specific tests, you know, 
timed up and go. Uh, you sit down in a chair, you stand up. Well, no, first I say go, but you sit down in a chair, I say go, you stand up, walk 10 feet, turn around, walk back and sit back down. And based off of how long that takes, uh, we can, you know, we can correlate that back to, okay, this person's at a high fall risk, at a low fall risk. And there's, there's a, a variety of different tests that therapists will use uh, to make that determination. And in bathrooms, uh, do both of you recommend bars that uh, prevent you from falling, that you can grab grab bars? Grab bars are great. They're very, very helpful. Um, um, you know, I, I don't tell people to get rid of uh, rugs in the bathroom, but what I do tell people to do is to make sure they're non-skid. Uh, you know, a, a linoleum bathroom floor stepping out of the shower is probably worse than, than than having a rug there. A lot of people said, "Yeah, you, know, you got to get rid of rugs." No, don't get rid of the rugs. Just make sure it's non-skid. Because a wet foot on linoleum is is a, it's like ice. It's a problem. It, <laughs> and for the non-skid rugs too, I recommend there. If you can go to Walmart, H E B has it. Many of the CVS or Walgreens have them too, where you can take and you can stick this this resistant stuff on the back of your rug and make it give it a a non-skid or non-slip back. Like double stick tape a lot like it but it, it just makes it to where it doesn't slide um you know bath mats are great actually because they have that rubber on the bottom of them and just like a crock the toe will stick when you're trying to walk right. you know down the road it's the same concept the, the bath mat actually sticks down to the floor and then it has that fuzzy surface that you can put your foot on when you get out of the tub we are flat out of time dr morgan best tip for folks who are wanting to begin an exercise program start with the glutes Build the glutes. Thank you. <laughs> Dr. Andrew Morgan, we appreciate you coming in with Home Care Dimensions, uh, WellMed Company. Cora Juke, thank you. I'm Ron Aaron. We'll talk with you again soon on WellMed Radio. you hear us on 930 AM, The Answer, and podcasts of all of our shows are available. Just Google WellMed Radio, and the podcast will pop up. So if you want to get your Dr. Andrew Morgan fix, Google it, and it will come up. Thanks for joining us. Talk with you soon on 930 AM, The Answer. You've been enjoying WellMed Radio, an exclusive presentation of WellMed Medical Management. Join us next week for more on your health and well-being. For more information on WellMed or to hear this broadcast again, go to wellmedmedicalgroup.com. We'll see you next week on WellMed Radio.